Hey folks, part four of a four-part series on better self-coaching questions for each one of the temperaments. Today we're focusing on the melancholic, so prepare to go deep in this podcast. Yeah, we're really excited to share this with you, and so we'll see you in there. Hey folks, welcome to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. My name is Matt. And I am Aaron. We are the Ingolds, the founders of Metanoia Catholic, where we aim to make mindset coaching authentically Catholic and practical. We just love to take all of these tools and techniques and share them with you on this podcast. We also train and coach other Catholic coaches. Come on into the podcast. Hello, welcome back. Welcome back to the Catholic Coaching Podcast. We're talking about the melancholics today. Better questions for the melancholic, better self-coaching questions for the melancholic, mm-hmm. quite frankly. So this is going to be building on, it's actually the last of our four-part mini-series that we have on better questions to ask each one of the temperaments, and we are referring specifically through this uh, in our journal, to our journal in this. So we go through those seven exercises, because what we found, Aaron, is that Depending on your temperament, certain questions land a little bit better. They inspire a different answer because those temperaments are often seeking a different motivation, different result, different aim, different goal. Yeah, yeah. I I love it when people talk about questions and they're um, like good questions send your brain on a mission. Well, Mm -hmm. let's just say generally speaking, questions send your brain on a mission. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there are good questions and then not great questions, (laughs) right? And it depends on what mission they're sending them on. Now, if I were a commander in the military. In the army. She's like, Aaron (laughs) always like looks at me. She's like, can I go here? Can I make these kind of analogies? I'm I'm not good at it. it. I'm not good at it. Not for approval. (laughs) Let's just say, let's just say I'm a commander in the Marine Corps. Oh, Is there a commander in the Marine Corps? Uh, There's platoon commanders, company commanders. Yes. And I were, and I was speaking to a sanguine. I would probably... A, a better question. There would be a better question for the sanguine. Uh, yeah, you would if appeal the different them motivations them on a mission. for yes. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus a melancholic, very different. Yeah. So if I want better results from this person, I would probably want to know what motivates them. Right. So if we look at our journal, the goal mm-hmm. of the journal is growth, grow through a deepening relationship with God. And so the sanguine, the choleric, the melancholic, the phlegmatic are going to have different ways of going through that journal experience uh, to rest ultimately in that deeper relationship. So kind of a shared goal, but different ways of going about it. So we honor that. And that's really the focus of this. So you melancholics, I share, it's my secondary. It's a strong secondary, I'd say. Yeah. What is Um, in your, in the test? Do you remember what the percentages were? I think it was like a 57%. Fifty-seven percent. Okay. I mean, I was very dominant and choleric. I was somewhere in the eighties, and then uh, my melancholic was like fifty-seven, and my sanguine was somewhat close okay. behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I find myself have really falling back on a lot of the commonalities. Yes, that I, that we have in our temperaments report, which you can get. Click below. You can mm-hmm. get it for ten bucks uh, in our store. So that's got that full report, twenty-seven pages, and a lot of really just great upfront information you want to learn more about your temperaments uh but yeah i I find that so i'm going to be uh sharing some of my personal Mm -hmm. insights and experiences with how these questions land in me because aaron where's melancholic for you very low i'm like not at all melancholic Mm. so um i appreciate the melancholics and for some reason melancholics like to coach with me i'm not quite sure Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'm always like, well, it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> They're kind of dominant in our, our academy. We saw about like a 40% or so uh, melancholic primary in our academy. So perhaps there's just something in that, you know, I mean, everything we do in the academy is about growing, going deeper into yes. your interior life. Which I think is, self-awareness is really... Well, the melancholic yeah. lives there, likes to live yes. there in the yeah. interior life. Okay, so we're going to go <laughs> through the, the seven exercises, better questions to ask, get more out of each one of those exercises. And again, is pointing back to our journal. So mm-hmm. exercise one is the successes, daily successes. What do we got, Aaron? Yeah, well, we have to define what success is for the melancholic. Yeah. Because it's going to look very different than the cleric sanguine and the phlegmatic success for the melancholic is and these are motivators too so um what you might find as we're going through the rest of this podcast is we use some of these words in the questions Mm -hmm. to kind of customize the questions for the melancholic yeah it's like it's planting okay remember this question is about arriving at a goal that you desire Mm -hmm. or an end a place of rest a motivation that you desire and so yeah, we're appealing to that natural desire that's uh, in the melancholic. Yes. Um, okay, so success is clear conceptualization. Mm-hmm. We, I always know my melancholics, especially like the coaches that we train, because they're always like, we, and they ask like a million questions. Mm-hmm. They just want to know what is it, like I want to conceive this. A lot of the time their eyes are up and to the left <laughs> on the coaching calls. Yes, they're thinking or they're taking thinking. notes. Mm-hmm. Clear conceptualization, meaning, purpose, solitude, um, creativity, deeper understanding, learning, more knowledge, perfection, or idealistic, like something that's an ideal, uh, curiosity, justice, quality, and discovery. Mm -hmm. I love that you said solitude there and not like... Because oftentimes we can think solitude and we can think loneliness. But if we go back to John Paul II's experience of original solitude, that's one of the things Mm -hmm. he draws out of the reading of the first three chapters of Genesis. And what is solitude in this case? It's an understanding where Adam understands who he is based on naming all of the animals. So he names all the animals. He doesn't name Eve. He calls Eve calls the woman Eve, right? Which is kind of interesting here. But he names all these animals. He comes to discover who he is. So there's a place of rest in that place of solitude, Mm -hmm. understanding who you are before God, right? And there's a communion that's taking place in that knowledge of who I Mm -hmm. am, what my name is. Yes. The melancholic saints that we know, and we have an entire podcast series on all the different temperaments. So you guys can go back and listen to those, but they are the contemplatives. They go there Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Um, usually mystics of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so some constructed questions that kind of give, give you a better, like, hey, success from yesterday. So the melancholic also may has a tendency to kind of look in the foreboding future mm-hmm. and be like, oh, everything's falling to pieces, right? Yeah, live in the gain or the gap versus the gain. Yes, so to go back and look at the successes from yesterday is a helpful exercise. In fact, these first two exercises in our journal are really helpful just to kind of get the melancholic on track. Right. Their brain wants to focus on something. And if they're focusing on all the negative and the looming, it's going to, it's really going to be a generate a very powerful emotion that's there. So, uh, and it's usually one that's going to keep them stuck and in confusion. So yeah, it's very important to orient their mind accordingly Mm -hmm. towards the good. So some constructed questions for the uh, success 
exercise in Mm -hmm. the journal for all of you melancholics out there could look something like this. What did I discover yesterday? Remember, they are clear. They want clear conceptualization. They want understanding. Or what did I understand in a clearer way yesterday? Mm -hmm. And what did I learn? What did I learn? Yep. Yep. Um, When did the Lord insert more meaning into my life yesterday? I love that one. Or meaning or purpose, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, What did I come to understand on a deeper level yesterday? I just kind of repeated myself. Anything else? One of the things that I like about that, where did the Lord insert more meaning, is it starts to move the melancholic out of their head and into their heart. Okay, Mm -hmm. so uh, you've got very strong cognitive muscles, so to speak. So to to, um, kind of start to reflect on meaning, now we're starting to, to bring the emotional experience into it as well, which yes. is an important place to kind of for the that brings that can actually deepen you down to a place of contemplative prayer. Even resting in that meaningful encounter is going to be something that's very transformative, getting you out of the head. You'll see a lot of the questions here are just getting the melancholic out of their head and kind of moving them on because they can get stuck in their head a yeah. lot of the time. Uh, or if you're going to be in the head, let's make sure the head is focused on that, which is, is going to lead to uh, growth here. I think that's a the theme here. Focus, mm-hmm. focus. And this is why I think these first two exercises in our journal, which you can get a free download if you go to our website, mm-hmm. catholiccoaching.com. Um, why it's really, it's such a pivotal moment for the melancholics. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what are you focusing on? What are you looking for? Because what you look for, you find. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really helpful. Are there any other questions, Matt, that help you? Yeah, the, so so across the board, regardless of your temperament, we desire connection. This is something that Aaron and I were mm-hmm. discussing recently. And this, this just goes back to the anthropology, male and female, he created them, where two or more gathered in our name, in our name I'm there in their midst. There's something about... Uh, being in communion with another that's across the board everybody wants it now um so where did you experience deep connection i think Mm. this is a good question where do you experience deep connection because the melancholic likes to go deep in their connection um even like an intellectual connection that gives way to like an emotional connection with somebody beautiful where did you practice understanding of another's interior life Mm. I think this is neat because this shows growth here because, again, the melancholic can project and kind of project somebody else's thoughts, be really ruminating on what somebody else might be thinking. All up in their reason cycle. All up in their reason cycle, Everybody right? else's. And, uh, and, but, like, not really in a, in a way that's very understanding and merciful. So where did I see kind of the motivations in another, right, and hold space for that? But also, where did I see and hold space for my own emotions? Melancholic can tend to, you know, even go to a place of judgment, that perfectionism, right? That self-criticism is there. Where did I just hold the space for what was going on? And and that's it. And again, I love how the journal really guides somebody through this process Mm -hmm. of identifying what's going on in their interior life and then holding the space for it. The better you get at holding the space for your own interior life, my fellow melancholics, the more natural it's going to be for you to do the same for other people. Mm, beautiful. Okay. And actually one of the the strengths of the melancholic is compassion and, and empathy towards others. So Indeed, yeah. like it would make sense that the enemy would be like, no, focus here and like have no compassion on yourself, exactly. even though you have yeah. like a great capacity for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. okay. 
One more thing, I remembered, you guys can take this test. If you haven't taken our free temperaments assessment test, you can yeah. also find that on our website. So go do that. Yeah, links in the bio here and links mm-hmm. in or links in the bio on our, our Instagram page, but you can also check out the show notes here. Okay. Exercise Gratitudes. two. Gratitude. This one is huge, 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 huge for the melancholics. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you cannot be afraid and grateful at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you but you also can't really if you're if you're authentically grateful you can't be really negative at the same time Mm -hmm. as being grateful Mm -hmm. and so what i love is just being really intentional about your gratitudes Mm -hmm. yeah i was coaching somebody recently that there was real growth uh when this person started to notice that there was a there were circumstances that came up where normally this person would kind of go to a place of ruminating on the negative and almost like kind of sky is falling thinking and he started to actually notice the gains and he, he just said what it did was it it took his emotion that would often go very much like heightened fear, heightened anxiety, and it just like dampened it, mm. really, where it wasn't quite as powerful and he found himself being able to will um, a better way, a better thought, will the gratitudes a little bit more. And once this person mm-hmm. settled into those gratitudes, it was just really, uh, you know, he just, he was like, wow, this is, and he even noticed the growth in, in you know, that yes. he, he was experiencing. And even in our journal, writing things down, not only are you willing them in your mind, right? Like you can do that as a mental exercise, but to write it down, you're willing it on another level. Like mm-hmm. you're like, I'm actually thinking about what I'm going to write down. And right. so in our journal, it's 10 gratitudes every mm-hmm. day. Okay. What I like about gratitudes is we get to kind of reflect on our ideal conditions. Mm-hmm. Each, um, temperament has their own set of ideal conditions and these are just like if these things happened i would just be peachy keen <laughs> yeah. right like i would just be so happy well, if I can all sh- of these things happen. yeah i can really show up very easily in my my areas of that's contribution it. that's it and right with ease and little effort mm-hmm. so some ideal conditions for the melancholic are time and space to process thoughts and emotions so if you're going through your gratitude, okay, when when was I when did I have time and space to process my emotions yesterday mm-hmm. or the day before? You know, um, wow, that that's really beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for giving me that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Freedom to feel and experience their emotions, even when they may seem negative. So this is why I think our journal is so helpful with that, like mm-hmm. just being able to hold that space mm-hmm. for our for the negative emotions. And whenever we say hold the space, it's just we're looking at it and we're suspending judgment. Yeah. There's no judgment. We're just going to look at it and we're going to notice it and allow it. Yep. And then willingness from others to go into a deep conversation. So you could say, thank you, Lord, for mm-hmm. for having that really awesome, like connective, mm-hmm. deep conversation with so-and-so. And then um, a meaningful contribution to serve. Lord, yeah. thank you so much. Like, Lord, I'm so grateful that you that you have allowed me to be a coach, that I get to really help serve others and in such a meaningful Spend way. Spend my time in this. This was the, the piece where you said, uh, uh, meaning, uh, it was like time to work through something or time process. to process. Yep. That's something that even you and I have kind of come to realize in our own marriage that, you know, Erin is, she's just quicker to process and even a lot of your 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 strengths, that activator strength that you have, that that ideation strength, you can kind of move through and it's almost like a quick processing that you have and you don't necessarily have that melancholic side where I tend to have that melancholic. And so 
I, I felt very seen recently when I've just been able to say, hey, you've brought something my way and I've been able to say, hey, you know what? I will take time to think about this, but I don't have an answer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this was something, even Mark on our team, I posed something to him. He's, he's a melancholic. And, and he said, you know what? I just, before I respond, I need some time to think about it. And there's this trust that I know he's going to make the time to yep. think about it. Oftentimes, it's like, so this is even something that mm-hmm. you can do to love your melancholic a little bit better. Yeah. Is g- give them some time. But also, Make space it's, for it's, okay, it's okay too. to say, can you let me know, like, give me a rough idea when you're, we're going to be coming back and closing the box on this? Because mm-hmm. and uh, without a deadline, they can continue to really just think about things at nauseum. Or, or if you're a spouse, you could say, I'd be happy to hold some space for you to go to the cha- chapel, the That's adoration huge. chapel, yep. and just process this. Right. And because we know the ideal conditions, like, oh, okay, you need to think Quiet. about it. How might I gift you those ideal yes. conditions for you to be able to, to bring your gifts of like deep understanding and clarity uh, f- uh, forward here? Um, I'd, I'd say that uh, another thing to be thankful for is like, that the space uh, that my spouse created for me, I kind of mm-hmm. brought that up. Uh, maybe there is a, a quieting mind, a quieter mind. We recently had a, a retreat where we, um, it was all about entering into silence. And it was great. Jen Settle from the Theology of the Body Institute came in. It was fantastic. Mm. Uh, but she let out, which is how much noise we have. And this is something where the melancholic is, is quite sensitive to noise. And so what like can we, yes, yeah. what can we do? Cause they, they just, they take in information and the more input they have, the more stimulation they have to all the, the ruminations. So what are those moments of quiet that you've been able to mm-hmm. receive in your life? Um, where have you been able to found yourself willing a new perspective? Uh, you know, yeah. where it's just like, okay, I, I, yeah, I, I've seen that I've gone down a path of rumination that takes me to where I don't want to go in the past, but mm-hmm. I've actually grown. I'm not going down that same path. How can I be thankful for that as well? Yeah. Some custody of the mind. A little thing about ideal conditions, and this is why it's really helpful for you to know what your ideal conditions are. Um, you can create them too. Mm-hmm. Permission to create those ideal conditions. If you know you need those moments of quiet, Maybe you wake up a little bit earlier than everybody else in the house. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you do set, like, I'm going to do a holy hour and I'm just going to be in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a couple of things. You you can create those for yourself where you're not saying that yeah. you need to, like, mindset your way out of all of these right. things. And you can <laughs> ask other people to help. I mean, yes. that's this is something as well. It's, it's not like I need this for some sort of self-indulgent, selfish re- means, but so that I can really be the contribution that you desire to me and me to be in our marriage as yes. a parent, in our business, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. Great. Goal setting. Goal Exercise setting. Exercise three. Better questions here. Okay. So this is where kind of like this was the origin of all this stuff, the goal setting questions. Um, I realized not everybody responds the same way. We had, I, I tested these questions on all of our coaches and I highlighted the ones. So I'm just going to share the ones that like most people answered. Yes. I love that one. Mm-hmm. But goal setting is just to kind of get, get you moving into action. Something that motivates, intrigues, excites you. Um, so these questions kind of find better answers for the melancholic. But if you like these questions too, and you're not melancholic, permission to use them. Um, okay. So 
one of the goal setting questions could be, and this is for our exercise three in our journal, if I couldn't fail, what would I create or pursue today? What would I start to create today? If I couldn't fail, what would I start to create or pursue today? Mm -hmm. Love that one because it just kind of expands your mind, right? We know failure is a thing. I still think it's like a construction of your mind. Like I think it's totally a thought. It is. It's an opinion. Well, it's so relative. Yeah. Right. But like I just recently, I, I shared this with the coaches the other day. I just recently read a quote and I thought it was funny. It's a little, um, seems a little mean. So I'm going to actually change some of the wording from it. But it says failure is what uninformed people think about the learning process. Or Failure is what people call. I think the first, yeah. Is failure what stupid people think about their learning process? Is that kind of the, yes. let's be provocative here. Yes. Failure, it's actually failure is what losers (laughs) think about the learning process. (laughs) Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, that lands well. Yes. Kind of stings. Ouch, but. Heads up, melancholics is going to sting a little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, get, get over yourself. This is just part, part of it. Okay. Yes. Another thing that you've got highlighted here, if there were no wrong decisions, what would I choose to pursue or create? It's, it's similar. Neutralizes that failure, mm-hmm. you know, or perfection idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to add in this other one though. What would create more meaning in my life right now? That was, that was a higher one but Mm -hmm. I didn't highlight it, but I like that one. Okay. Um, It kind of puts your brain on a mission to be creative about it and and to like reflect on what what does bring meaning into your life. What do you value? I love number seven that you've got here. Okay, we're not giving some, but it's numbered on on our Mm -hmm. sheet. What would you like to pilot or try out or experiment? What I love about that is like when you pilot something or you run have an experiment, the goal is learning. The goal isn't necessarily success. Success is just defined as learning Mm -hmm. and so there's there's permission to fail or to be incomplete or kind of less than imperfect in a pilot program or a beta um which is really like that's how we've been able to move so fast is really we roll something new out we just say hey it's a it's a beta it's a pilot and there's always early adopters that are like very merciful and, and willing to yeah you know and when the focus is learning or 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 taking in data it's like this doesn't have to be perfect at all so permission permission to pilot this permission Mm -hmm. to experiment yeah if you're looking for a goal also um what if you can also just make one of your goals to create more of your ideal conditions Mm -hmm. so i like this one for i've been like considering this how can i create more silence in my life or how can i reduce the noise Mm -hmm. in my life and I've found that this is really quiet. And I'm telling you what, folks, it's, it's amazing. I think across the board, it's mm-hmm. amazing because there's so much noise. And yes, melancholics may be more susceptible to it than others, perhaps. But we're all susceptible to it in some capacity. And, and to the extent that we're just bombarded with noise, it takes us just a little bit longer to enter into that quiet place when we mm-hmm. pray. And it makes it a little bit more arduous. And so again, like... Think about how much you have your headphones in or you put your music on your car or you're listening to talk radio or even listening to podcasts like this. Permission to stop listening to our podcast mm-hmm. to create more silence in your life for a season. Okay, for a season. Mm-hmm. Let's not be crazy here. 
but like th- those things, um, like what, where can you, where can you create a little bit more space and just, you know, abstain from some of the noise in your life? So you can hear God. So you can hear God. Yes. So you can enter, especially when you're entering into those times of prayer. Mm-hmm. This last question, I, I, I added this one on. I really like this one. If I gave myself permission to change it later, what would I pursue today? Wait, wait, say it again. If I gave myself permission to change my goal later, nice. what would I pursue today? What do you think that is? Do you think there's like a fear of permanence or... Com- it's a fear like- of picking the wrong one. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes. there. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, I feel like I, I coach a lot of melancholics on like, I don't know what the right decision is. It's like, hey, you can always change it later. Yes. Just yes. give yourself permission to. Nice. Okay, what do you choose today? Let's get into action. Nice. All right, exercise four, the thought recon. The thought recon is where we start writing all of our thoughts about our goal that we just set. So let's just say, I'll give you guys an example of like a goal that maybe a melancholic would have. Um, I, I This is like very melancholic, this, mm-hmm. this goal. So they write in exercise three, Lord, I really want to become a philosophy professor at my alma mater because I want to give back to my school and be in a profession where I get to study a topic that I love for a living. Okay, so we have philosophy. Melancholics really love deep philosophical conversations. We have study. We have learn. We have teach others, right? Mm, all the sanguines just turn the podcast off. Yeah, they're like, no thanks. Um <laughs> I think it'd be cool to be a philosophy professor. I would not be good at it at all, but like, I think it would be cool. I think a lot of melancholics would be great at it. So, so that's their exercise three. And then we move into the thought recon and we go, okay, now what are all of the obstacles that are in the way? Why aren't you a philosophy, philosophy professor yet? Like, why haven't we even started this process in pursuing this yet? So here are some questions that would be helpful for in this particular example, but that would be helpful for the melancholic. Um, what obstacles are in the way of becoming a philosophy professor? That's across the board. Yep. Okay. What are all of the thoughts about taking the first step towards becoming a plus philosophy professor? Mm-hmm. A philosophy. A philosophy professor. <laughs> all right. And then why do I think that this might be impossible? Mm-hmm. Anything else, Matt, that like would come up for you that would kind of help kind of bring about all those thoughts? I think, I think it might even be like just holding some space for like, what are all the reasons I think I shouldn't be a philosophy professor? Oh, the shoulds. Yes. Yeah. What are all the reasons I shouldn't think? Or like, I shouldn't want to. I shouldn't want to be a philosophy professor because that stuff <laughs> comes up like... The melancholic, I, I, we can be very good at, at like just, I don't know, like hypotheticalizing ourselves to inaction, mm. right? Or just constantly having this. I was just going to say, why haven't I fully decided this yet? Mm-hmm. That's another question. Yes. Yep. Right? Like 100% committed to deciding this. Yeah. Why have I still not committed to this okay. I think is, is an important piece and and oftentimes it's like a desire for more clarity mm-hmm. that's there but but again this is kind of teaching hat on there's no such thing as 100% clarity 
Yeah. It's just not. And and the, the melancholic may try to pursue that, and that may be a very provocative statement for the melancholic, triggering statement. Mm-hmm. But it, if we, I, you're pursuing om, omniscience, if that's the case, which is, you know, go to confession at that point, because there's a great deal of pride that's in that. Mm. I'm right there with you, okay? But 100% certainty is I want to be God at that, okay? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Continue. Let's go. And, and why do we bring up all the thoughts here in the thought recon? I always like to call it like if, we, if you guys want an analogy, mm-hmm. it's like the manure <laughs> or the yeah. fertilizer that is either in the dark and stinky, or we bring it out into the open and actually put it in this garden that we're yeah. tilling. It becomes a fertile seed bed, so that the Lord's seed of truth can actually come and be planted. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's why we're getting all those crummy thoughts out of out into the surface you guys might be like why are you digging for these crappy thoughts and i'm like because like, you're doing it you're it, gonna create them because they're in there let's just let's they do are it in, in a controlled environment yes. where we can kind of capture them and then bring them to the lord and repent where need be versus Amen. just getting stuck in indecision okay okay so Next here's exercise we're going to use the the same example um that the or from this, from yes. the exercise three. Exercise like, five, capture and reflect. That's where we're yep. going. And so we've we've done the thought recon, the thought, or the goal is I want to become a philosophy professor, blah, 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 blah. And then they wrote all their thoughts about it. So mm-hmm. an example of one of those thoughts that you capture, which is how you do exercise five, you just grab one of those thoughts, just one, and bring it up to exercise five. So in this example, the melancholic picks it's really presumptuous and arrogant to think that I could ever be a philosophy professor at my school, mm-hmm. at my alma mater. So we know the thoughts. We know some feelings, some some of the this, this sentence that's happening in mm-hmm. this melancholic's mind. So when you are going through the reflection phase of the exercise five, I think it's really powerful for a melancholic to look at the emotion that the thought leads to, Mm -hmm. okay? And not only for them to look at the emotion in this thought in particular, but to understand the principle that your thoughts create your emotions. Because the melancholic thinks very hard, they also feel very hard. Mm -hmm. And so just to know this, that know that the sentence in your brain that you are choosing right now is leading to this emotion. Mm -hmm. And you have a choice whether or not you want to keep thinking that or and like keep leading to that emotion and keep piling on or just to take a step back and say, hmm, do I want to keep thinking this? Yeah, when you think of it as like you think really hard and then you feel really hard, but then also you think because you're in that feeling, you think more, <laughs> more, even harder. Like that's something that shows up in the, in the melancholics, you know, like the actions from that stem from those thoughts, the cognitive actions really increases in intensity and then feeds that that yeah. emotion and thought cycle um, to be one. It's almost like exponential. It's like a nuclear reaction that's taking place where it's just like very exponential. Mm-hmm. And so this could be used for good in incredibly virtuous ways, or it could be used for evil and like incredibly vicious ways as well. Uh, where you are really going down a very destructive path. So yes. um, that piece, my emotions are coming from my thoughts. 
so foundational for the melancholic. So good. So mm-hmm. good. And I have a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. because I'm like, because I'm a melancholic and I'm a human person, but mm-hmm. I also have like a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. about it. And so just for them to know that and take a step back and even say the sentence in their mind, this is coming from a sentence in my mind that mm-hmm. I really believe is true. Mm-hmm. Like that might be your first step. Yes. So the melancholic can also tend towards uh, justification. Maybe some common ailments or, or vices are, are self-righteousness, okay? Or a rigidity, um, kind of a neo-pharisaicalism that's there. Okay, so where is this coming from? Kinda, it kind of comes from the thought, they make some sort of a snap judgment, and then they uh, feel very justified in it, and then they look for, in their justification, that feeling of justification, they look for all of this evidence mm-hmm. to support the conclusion that they've made. All right, so a question I think that's really important here for the melancholics is, where might I be making a universal claim mm. on a particular situation? Okay, we desire, especially that clear conceptualization, we desire to know universal truths. And this is something that distinguishes us from the animals. Yeah, We don't just get stuck in particulars. We can actually know universal truth. But if we jump to the conclusion, we say that something's a universal, when it really isn't, we're gonna end in error, all right? And I think the, I think the melancholic can be uh, more susceptible than the other temperaments to mm-hmm. this area. Okay, so where might you be making a universal claim and you haven't really considered uh, where it doesn't really apply? And so those questions that we have where might this not be true? Yes. This claim, yeah. all right? I have another question that just came and it was like brilliant and it was so good. Thank you, Lord, because I'm not taking credit for it. But okay. it was, is 100% of this thought true? So instead of saying, is this thought 100% true all the time? Mm-hmm. It's, is 100% of this thought true? Is every word being used correctly? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of dramatic language. It could be like this, this universal language, like always, never. And yeah, that maybe that's not, maybe the word always isn't correctly used here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, even looking at this thought, it's really presumptuous and arrogant that I think to think that I could ever be a philosophy professor. Okay, what are the situations where that might be true? Okay, if I do no study whatsoever on philosophy (laughs) and I just kind of start calling myself a philosophy professor, that could, that that probably could be, we could have an argument there that that's an arrogant, arrogant thought, right? What do you you got to give? Yes. Okay. And then also the word ever, Mm -hmm. right? Or really, these are what I call universals or extra words, extra like all the kids mm-hmm. are using these days, mom, you're so extra, you know? <laughs> like it's like, but these are like words that aren't necessarily true. Like we could remove those. Mm-hmm. So that's really helpful for you to notice, okay, is there any dramatic universal language in the sentence itself? Yes. Um, also notice the tone of the thought. I think this is helpful for the melancholic too. Um, if there is an, a spiritual origin of this tone, like is this ac- is this accusational? Mm-hmm. Is this condemning? Mm-hmm. Um, what what is it accusing me of? Um, that that can just kind of give you an idea of who might be presenting this thought to you. Yeah, is it inclining me to judge rashly? Yes. To really judge, I think this is just another melancholic. So we can think a lot. We want to understand, and then. We desire to take that understanding and make it visible through 
proclamations, through mm-hmm. judgments, through this is how it is. Again, if we want to judge justly, which I think that's, that's where we all want to land, this process of just slowing down and appreciating the nuances, the, the, the distinctions mm-hmm. uh, of where this thought applies and where it doesn't apply. I think this can be a really rich exercise for the melancholic. Amen. Cool. All right. Exercise seven. We jump, Finally. we skip over six. That's where we do our release. And it's pretty uh, pretty intuitive, but pretty much you'd be identifying, okay, this is where I sinned or where you know, I need to repent, I need to renounce, I need to forgive somebody else. And then we move on. We create that space to receive the word, the interpretation from the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, where to focus our thinking. Yeah. Okay. So some good questions for this. What do we got? Yeah. Um, Lord, what do I want? What do you want me to, to learn about you and f- and me from this? Sorry. <laughs> Lord, what do you want me to learn about you? And what do you want me to learn about me from this situation? Yeah. So we're just kind of opening ourselves up and saying, instead of saying, Lord, what's your interpretation? Did you already say that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of the universal Sorry. language yes. that we have in our journal. But we can kind of play on that and make mm-hmm. it a little bit more customized to the melancholic. Lord, what small step could improve the quality of my life today or could insert more meaning into mm-hmm. my life today. Um, Lord, what or who do you want me to get more curious about? Mm-hmm. I love that one. Because curiosity is kind of, I think a really great motivating emotion for the melancholic. Mm-hmm. Lord, how do you want me to think about this situation? Mm. I think that's an important one Amen. as well. And then, Lord, what would create more meaning in my life today? I already said that, kind of. Yeah. So those are some questions. Um, I think it's really super, uh, yeah, I just think it's, all of this work is helpful. What we were just trying to do from this podcast series was just kind of customize your journaling experience. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do our journal. This could just be really helpful questions for you to ask yourself as you're going throughout your day. We recommend you write it down because it does slow your brain down. Yeah, I'm going to come in here. Melancholics, get the journal. I mean, here's the thing, Please. because your the thoughts, we say, the thoughts can be kind of like slippery. There's, there's a lot of them, all right? And if you don't have something that's grounding you, that's keeping you focused, you're not going to get anywhere, all right? We liken it to opening up the, the little basket that we have yep. that has all the rosaries in it, pull them out, and they're all tangled together very Catholic reference here. But like if you pull on all those rosaries at the same time, it just tightens into an even like more... Bigger knot. Bigger knot at this and point. And a tighter knot. So it's like, why can't we just take one of those rosaries mm-hmm. at a time and just work through untangling that at a time? There's growth, right? And the devil wants you to despair, but the reality is that transformation by the renewing of your mind happens one thought at a time. One thought being captured and then brought through the reason cycle and presented to the Lord one at a time. And over time, there's a great discipline that you develop to be able to kind of notice when you're going down those paths. You'll find that some of your your Mm -hmm. emotions that have taken you ways that you didn't want to go will start to kind of dampen a little bit. And the ones that are leading you down the path where you know the Lord wants you to go are going to start to increase, right? And so you have your emotions fueling the right actions as well. And your mind, your thoughts, fueling the right emotions that you're looking for here as well. And the Lord, that's going to bring the greatest possible glory to God. So I think the melancholy really benefit from this, uh, from the process that we have in the journal because it has the structure Mm 
Mm-hmm. And there's there's an element of accountability that's in there that you will not, you will not, do not try to just do this in your mind by yourself. It just doesn't work. You won't capture anything. You'll waste time, like, in energy. It's like, not it's gonna not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to ground you, all right? We've all tried it. It doesn't work. But, mm-hmm. um, yes. And also, just check out our academy. I think it would be really helpful, especially you melancholics out there. Like we said, we have a lot of melancholics in our academy. Mm-hmm. We've we've kind of uh, had everyone take the You'll find a home. Yes. You will find a home. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like-minded people. So Awesome. Hang in there, melancholics. Also, we've got certification coming up, okay, around the corner. So, the time you're listening to this, just know that we've got our certification that's getting ready to launch uh, in April. Catholic coaching certification, mm-hmm. just to be clear on that. We train and coach other Catholic coaches. Yeah, temperaments is a big part of that as well. All right, so learning how to actually walk with somebody in their temperament and tailor their growth strategy based on who they are, their God-given temperaments, part of who they are, uh, is an important part of the puzzle, we find. So check that out. If you're interested, you can download our free brochure. Go to catholiccoaching.com and check out our coach training and our certification in the little drop-down menu, and you can get that free download and learn about the brochure. Our goal is to have a Catholic coach in every parish. And there was even an article I was reading uh, the other day. Our friend Pat sent it over to us. That was uh, Luke Burgess wrote it. He's the one that co-authored with Josh Miller, mm-hmm. uh, Unrepeatable. And he was talking about how every parish really needs to have a vocations director. Mm. And often we think that. And I remember even this was a push in our Albany Diocese. We want every parish to have a vocations director. But it was voc- it was structured in like a vocations director specifically for p- helping people discern a priestly vocation. And that's just, it's not going deep enough. That level of vocation is just how a means that we choose to live out that deep, personal, unique name that God has given to us. This is where Luke Burgess was going with mm-hmm. this article. He it was, it was posted in Word on Fire. So it was really exciting to read through this. It was just like mm-hmm. clapping along. And it's like, yeah, man, do it. Um, but this is what we see the Catholic coaches helping to do even at the parish level, help people discern their unique calling. Because once you know who you are, you desire to be a gift. And what our parish needs to move people from a consumer mentality, Mm -hmm. just feed me, feed me, feed me, to one of self-gift, which is mature, I want to offer myself to the parish. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think coaching is a big piece of helping somebody make that journey. Yes. So come check it out. Check it out. All right. All right, guys. See you, guys. See you around. Bye. Hey guys, if you liked what you learned here today, consider joining our academy where you can take all these tools and learn how to apply them to your life. Supremely practical stuff and you get coached along the way in the process. You are not by yourself. We hope to see you in there.